0: Happy Boxing Day. You see, traditionally, Boxing Day was a day when the rich people would give gifts to the poor people. It was the day when the servants would be allowed to have the day off because their masters would give them a box as well that they can take home and share with their families. So I say, Happy Boxing Day. My thing for this morning is every good and perfect gift. Our reading this morning we have already had, but I would also like for you, if you've got your Bibles, to turn please to the book of James, chapter 1, and I will be using verses 16, 17, and 18, and I will read thus whilst you find it. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Amen to the word of the Lord. My theme this morning would like to address three points, the definition of a good and perfect gift, the motive for giving, and the consequences of accepting the gift. The question is often asked around this time of the year, why do we give gifts at Christmas? And as the as Brother Daniel had read to us so beautifully, it goes back to when the wise men, having followed the star of Bethlehem, came to the house where the child Jesus was laying. They bowed down, they worshipped him, and then they presented unto him the gifts gold frankincense and myrrh. You see, in those days, it was the custom that if you went to see someone of distinguished mark or someone of rank, you would go and you would present to them a valuable gift. But if we think about it, it may seem a little peculiar for three Well, we believe three because there were three men, or three gifts rather, but the Bible doesn't tell us how many. It seems peculiar that gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh would be offered to a child. But you see, because of who we serve and because of what we know, Now that we look back, we see that those gifts were perfect. Gold, because indeed Jesus is the king. Frankincense, because it is a gift suitable for a deity or for a god. You see, under the Levitical law, It was used alongside the meat offering, and when the frankincense was burned, it would produce a nice smelling aroma of fragrance, and this fragrance was pleasing unto the Lord. And myrrh? Not only is it a bitter gum or a costly perfume, but in the book of Mark 15:23, we see at the crucifixion of Jesus that they dipped the sponge into wine and also into myrrh, because it has an anesthetic-type property. The Bible tells us that Jesus refused to take it because he didn't want to dull the sense or the pain or the suffering that he was going through for all of us. And upon his death, we know that Nicodemus took with him aloes and myrrh in order to embalm his body. So that is the reason, or one of the reasons, why we tend to give gifts at Christmas. But greater than what the wise men presented and more beneficial to us, God gave Jesus Christ his son. And no better gift can we receive this Christmas season, this Boxing Day, than the gift of eternal life. So point number one, what is the definition of a good and perfect gift? A gift can only be classed as good when it is approved by the recipient to meet a certain quality or standard. B, it must also be of benefit or it must give some kind of advantage to the recipient. A gift can only be classed as perfect when it absolutely and completely has all of the desirable qualities and characteristics possible. So my theme: every good and perfect gift could also be said to be every desirable and beneficial gift. I'm just going to introduce a little of James. James was the half-brother of Jesus Christ same Mother Mary, just different birth fathers. James was a leader in the Jerusalem church, and now he's writing to the first century Christians that were scattered, or those that were living outside of Palestine. His message was very clear. He wanted to impart right Christian behavior. And as a teacher, a vital role of what we do is to correct faulty thinking faulty teaching and faulty behavior. So in verse 16, James say, do not be deceived. In other words, do not let anyone pull the wool over your eyes. And he's going back to the previous verses around verse 13. You see, people were blaming God for their temptation. James said, God cannot be tempted by evil and therefore he will not tempt anyone. You see, God will allow us to have tests and he will allow us to go through trials, but he does not tempt any one of us. And then the verse, which is the key for this morning, James go on to say, every good gift And every perfect gift comes from above. And that is without exception. Because God is the source of goodness and God is the source of perfection. Everything that he gives unto us must be good and it must be perfect. Hallelujah. So in addition to meeting the qualities and in addition to it being beneficial to the recipient, I believe for a gift to be good and to be perfect. It must come from a good source, and it must come with a good and perfect motive. The definition of a gift is the transfer of something without the expectation of payment. Yesterday, we celebrated Christmas Day. Traditionally, it is the time when we unwrap the gifts that had been given to us throughout the previous weeks. Now, you might be hearing me today, and you might said, well, I didn't receive any gifts. I didn't even as much as had a phone call yesterday. But I want to assure you this morning that you did receive a gift. In fact, you were presented with two gifts you may not have accepted to them, but you were presented with two gifts yesterday. The first gift is the fact that you can hear me, the fact that you can see me, the fact that you are in the house of the Lord today, the fact that you are breathing today. Hallelujah. That in itself is a gift from almighty God. Hallelujah. And the second is this. God gave us Jesus, his son, whether we accept it Whether we reject it, the fact remains that the gift was already presented to us. Hallelujah. You see, the whole purpose of God creating Adam and Eve in the beginning was to have a relationship with us. And we know for a moment of time that that relationship was good. Like everything else that God did at the beginning, it was good. But temptation entered into the garden. And upon eating the fruit, sin was conceived. And the relationship between man and God was broken. Spiritual death was encountered. But know what? God did not give up on us. Instead, he gave us the gift A gift that needed no adjustments, one that cannot be stolen, one that is never out of date. A gift that doesn't need batteries. It doesn't need a USB charger. It doesn't need electricity, gas, or a plug. It needs none of those things. Why? Because God gave us his son. Hallelujah. He gave us a perfect gift. You see, as human beings, the things that we look upon and the gifts that we receive today may need to be adjusted, may need to be replaced tomorrow. Hallelujah. As I was preparing this sermon, I started to reminisce over some of the beautiful gifts that I had received. I'm going to share two. I was around the age of about, I don't know, late might be 20, somewhere around there. And I received a bottle of very expensive perfume. I don't know if they still do it today. It's by Yves Saint Laurent, and it's called Opium. And this is going back some 30 plus years. I'll say no more. And I love this perfume. If you take just a drop of it, you can smell me in London if I was in Manchester. But about 18 months later, shortly after my 21st year, I developed something called sensitive skin syndrome, which means that perfume and any kind of scented, any kind of thing, I simply cannot use because it causes skin irritation, rashes on my skin at times would just fall away. So even though I love and admire these gifts, I had to pass them on to someone else because I could no longer use them. But the one that hurt me the most and I share this: I received a gold watch, not a fake gold watch like I wear now, but a proper gold watch. And I treasured that watch wherever I went. I would take it off if I'm doing the washing up, etc, etc. And then I left Manchester and I came down here to study and one night I was in my bed fast asleep and I could hear this breathing and I thought to myself, at the time, I was in a shared house. I said, why is Mary in my room? The, the family that I was living with, they would clean my room, they would change my bed, they would do my laundry, they would do the ironing. Literally, I walked in from university, I picked up my pile of things, I took it to my room and I put it in the drawer, etc. And I'm thinking to myself, why is she in my room and I am in the bed? And so I took my head from under the duvet And I saw this young white guy at the other side of the room and he said to me, I have a gun and I am not afraid to use it. Now I didn't have my glasses on. So the thing that he was pointing at me, I couldn't make out if it was a real gun or if it was a fake gun, but I decided I wasn't going to take any chances. And my beautiful, expensive gold watch lying right on the dresser by the bed, this young guy helped himself to. But you know what? The gift that comes from our Father, who sits in heaven, who knows all things, including our future, can never be stolen. Hallelujah. It can never ever cause any kind of skin irritation. It will never go out of date. You don't need another version. You don't need the latest one. Hallelujah. It cannot be replaced by anyone, nor by anything. In verse 17, it goes on to say, With whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. You see, the God that gives the good and the perfect gift is so constant that everything else around him has to change. But he himself, hallelujah, does not change. Why? Because he is the source of perfection. And anything that is perfect is whole and is complete. Anything that is perfect has no room for adjustments because it is already perfect. Hallelujah. Point number two, the motive behind the giving. Now, most people when they give a gift, will do so from a pure and sincere heart. And they want to encourage the recipient's happiness, whether physically, spiritually, or emotionally. You see, when someone gives you a box of chocolate, what they're saying is, I know that when Veronica or when you eat that chocolate, your body is going to produce something called serotonin. And serotonin allows the brain to produce that happy feeling. So when you get your box of chocolate, don't throw it away and say... Is that all they can give me, a box of chocolate? No, just appreciate it for the person is encouraging your happiness. But there are others who will give you a gift with an ulterior motive. They have a secret reason and we know today if we listen to what is going on around us, if we listen to the news, we will see increasingly that sexual grooming encouraging our young people to be involved in gang culture, to be involved in drug culture. All these things are becoming more and more prevalent today. Why? Because people want to feel accepted people want to feel love. People like to receive gifts. And if they can receive the acceptance, if they can accept the love, if they can receive the gift, though it is expensive, and they know they cannot afford it otherwise, they will be lured into pathways that are not good for them. But verse 18 says, of God's own will begat he us with the word of truth by his own will, by the desire of God. And we know that the will of God, we know that the desire of God towards each and every one of us is of good and not of evil. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace. And not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. But how then do we obtain that future and that hope? James said, God brought it forth by the word of truth. Hallelujah. What is the word of truth? The word of truth is nothing else but the gospel message. The gospel message, John 3.16, the golden verse of the Bible tells us that God loves us unconditionally. That he gave his one and only begotten son to die for us. If we look in the book of Isaiah, the worship thing sang it earlier. Isaiah 7:14 told us, and this took place 700 years before Christ's birth. He says, a girl who is still a virgin will get pregnant. She will bear a son and name him Emmanuel, God with us. Now, we say that when the time was right, in order to put that into context, we need to look at the book of John 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the word capital W. The Word was with God. The Word was God. I'm going to jump to verse 14. It says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only Begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and of truth. Hallelujah. You see, if I can put this in a picture, it would be like this. God the Father took Jesus the Son and he wrapped him up. He didn't wrap him up in tissue paper. He didn't wrap him up in tinseled looking type paper. But he wrapped him up in a robe of flesh and sent him onto the earth that he could live with us. And when his time was right, that he could then go all the way to Calvary to die for us. You see, the whole point of us having Christmas is that we think about the birth and we think about the gift that God had given unto us, the birth of Jesus Christ. But society today has made it about everything else other than the birth of Christ. You see, in society, it's about the big shopping. It's about the food. It's about the Christmas tree. It's about the holly and the ivy and the mistletoe but Christmas is not about any of those things. Christmas is simply about God giving to us his perfect gift, hallelujah, in the form of Jesus Christ's son. You see, you can look under the Christmas tree all you want, and you will never ever find Jesus Christ the savior there. But if you come with me and take a trip down Memories Lane to a place called Golgotha, you will see our Jesus standing or hanging upon the tree, hallelujah. Not the pine tree, not the Christmas tree, but he's standing and hanging upon the Calvary's tree for you and for me, hallelujah. But thanks be to God right now. Right now, according to the Bible, three days later, he rose from the grave. And right now, he is in heaven, sitting by the right hand of the Father, pleading my case, pleading your case. Why? So that we don't need to be oppressed anymore. So that we don't need to be accused anymore. Hallelujah. But so that we can be free. Hallelujah. And we can have the liberty. And one day soon, he... Jesus is going to come back and take us to the place where he is. This is the good and the perfect gift that comes from the good and the perfect father with a good and a perfect motive. But that isn't all. Jesus, when he was leaving this world, said to his disciples, I am going to pray to my father and I'm going to ask him to send you the gift of the Holy Ghost, hallelujah. And wherever you are, hallelujah, the friend, the Holy Ghost, the spirit of God, Jesus, however you want to call him, whatever title you want to use, he is going to be with us. So we don't need to feel alone. If no one picks up the phone and calls, us, don't worry about it. We've got a father that we can talk to at any time of the day. Morning, noon or night, hallelujah. Because this friend, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth will be with you. When you go through your difficult situation, hallelujah, he is going to be with you, hallelujah. When you are alone at night in the household by yourself, around you. Hallelujah. He is going to be with you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You see, everything about our faith, everything about our hope, it all points back to that good and perfect gift, the giver of life and the gift itself. So the motive behind God's good and perfect gift was to bring us back to himself by the word of truth. Point number three, consequences of accepting the gift. You see, truth cannot change. The gospel message cannot change simply because it is a gift from a perfect father, and it is a gift that is perfect. And when anything is perfect, there is no room for change. From Jesus' days, from the days of the disciple, and if you look on the screen above me, you will be able to see, until now, the gospel message has not changed. The language have changed. You see, at the beginning, I believed they spoke in the language of Greek. And then around about 393, we had access to it via the Vulgate Latin manuscript. Now, I can't speak Latin, but thank God for Google and Google Translate. Sickenim dilexit deus mundum mut filium suum unigenitum daretut omnis qui creditimeum non perit sed beat vita meternam. Now that's ladding. I found online the Vulgate. But me, being me, decided, I'm not too sure that what I'm hearing is actually what I think I ought to be hearing. So I clicked on another link or another button that says, change the Latin now back into English. And then you see, round about 1526, in the purple pink, you have it from William Tyndale. He changed it into the English language, but a lot of those words I didn't quite understand. But back in 19, when I was growing up, we had something called the King James Version. And that is the one that I grew up with. And I know that one with my eyes closed. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. You see? If you go all the way through to 2011, this is the one from the voice. The context is exactly the same when it was written by the disciples to the context that it is as we speak it. You see, men will try to make it more understandable. They may change the way that we say it. They may change the way that we write it. They may even try to change the ordering of the word, hallelujah. But the context of the gospel message remains the same. Everything today that we put our hope and we put our trust in today will change. We only need to look around what's been happening to us in these last few years. We have seen change that we had not imagined before. Who would have thought that you were going to a church and you have to have a mask on? Who would have thought that you are supposed to stay X amount of feet away from the nearest person to you? but the Father of lights, hallelujah, cannot change. And because he doesn't change, what he gives to us does not change. You see, there is no variation. There is no differences. God does not need to be modified. In fact, God cannot, hallelujah, be modified. And the context of the gospel message, cannot be modified, cannot be developed to become better or stronger. There are no new variants, no new strains, no new form, because God and the message of the gospel, God gave his son, his son died for us, his son rose from the grave, his son now lives in heaven pleading for us, and one day his son is going to return to take us with him to live for an eternity. What a gift. Such a perfect, perfect gift. So that we can be a kind of first fruit. When we talk about first fruit, we're talking about the first of anything. In the Bible days, they would take the first of the crop and they would offer that back to God, you see. Jesus. He is the first fruit of the resurrected. In other words, he is the first person to be resurrected from the dead, never to die again. We have heard or we have seen in the Bible, in the Old Testament with Elijah and Elijah, they did did raise people from the dead. But those people went on to die again. But with Christ, hallelujah. And this is where our hope lies. Christ rose from the dead never to die again. And he is going to come and he is going to take us so that we too will rise with him, never to die again. But first, we must accept the gospel. We must accept the gift of grace, another of God's good and perfect gift. Like any other gift, once it has been offered, we need to accept. So on this boxing day, Will you accept, will you accept the gift of life? Will you accept eternal life? Will you look to Christ now and say, Lord, I receive you into my life. Now receive me into your kingdom. That whether I live or whether I die, I will be forever with you. Let me conclude by saying this. This good and perfect gift that James talks about is motivated by love, the love of the Father. Not only does it not need batteries, etc., as I said earlier, but it guarantees life after death. And there's no small print. There's no disclosure. It simply is as this. When our life is over, we will live with him forever. You see, John Lewis, as much as he holds, cannot touch this gift. Harrods, as expensive as it may be, cannot afford this gift. Macy's back in New York or wherever you are in the US has no capacity to stop this gift. And Amazon... (laughs) <laughs> Amazon cannot deliver this gift. Not tomorrow, hallelujah. Not today, hallelujah. Not ever, hallelujah. Because this good gift and this perfect gift came from the Father above. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> Children. You see, it came from the Father above, not Father Christmas. If it had come from Father Christmas, I would not have received this gift. (laughs) Why? Because according to the song, it implies, if you are naughty or if you are nice determines whether you get a gift or not. So because we were naughty... It is because we were naughty. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Father Christmas, Santa Claus says, if you are naughty, you do not get a gift. But God in his love looked down upon us and he said, every single man on this earth is naughty, not nice, hallelujah, but still says the Lord of hosts, I am going to give you my son, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah gave us his son because he knew that we could not live up to his standard in ourselves. So now when God looks at us, he sees us just as if we did not sin. He sees us as nice, not naughty. So if you are here today, and you do not have this Savior, if you have not accepted Jesus, if your only concept of Jesus is still the baby lying in a manger, I want to encourage you this morning to accept him into your life. He and only he can make a difference. He and only he can make a change. Is there one That will say yes this morning. Is there one? Is there one that will say yes to him? I want to have a relationship with you, Lord. If there is, can I encourage you, please, just to indicate by raising your hand? Thank you, Lord Jesus. you lord thank you sir I see your hands I will ask you if you don't mind standing if you don't mind even coming down to the front so that we can pray with you thank you lord thank you lord yeah.